0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. If I didn't greet you earlier, welcome. We started a series a few weeks ago called "Building Strong Families." Families are the basis of society. If we're going to have a strong society, we need strong families. And uh, so, uh, review real quickly. A couple weeks ago, we talked about actually on Mother's Day, we talked about honoring parents. That honors the God who honored you. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you. That's a great honor. He did that for you. He loves you enough to do that. Whatever age your parents are, whatever age you are, my parents are deceased. They're not with us anymore. But if you have parents, you have a great privilege and obligation responsibility. Uh, and we talked about the, how that changes through different stages of life. And then, I guess it was two weeks ago, we talked about <clears throat> the importance of putting God first. Wherever you want to succeed, <clears throat> and He'll provide what I need. So whether that's in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your schooling or work, wherever it is you would like to succeed, the basic principle is to put God first there and He'll he'll help you, He'll provide for you. And last week, we talked about the importance of setting a day apart each week differently. Set it apart. It's going to be different than the other six days. Uh, Set apart from work, set apart to worship. Either you do that or you fall apart. You know, you pay me now, pay me later. And so that's God who loves you, knows what's best for you, knows how you you and I function best. And not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, we need to set a day apart. Excuse me. Today's topic is winning at marriage. I might kind of generalize this more at winning at relationships. Uh, We're going to apply it to marriage, but the principles will be good. So if you're not married... Uh, don't even plan to get married. It's good we have some young people here this morning, so they can kind of understand what they what they need to do as they look forward to that someday. So, building strong, are winning at marriage. I want to start with a question: Is it easier to get married or stay married? <laughs> Uh, It's a lot easier to get married. I just did a wedding yesterday. Richard, you went here somewhere? Richard got married yesterday. Let's congratulate him. Him and Megan. Yeah, so we had a great time yesterday. Now, the work's just begun, Richard. (laughs) Okay. I want to start off by telling you a little bit about my history, and some of you are new. Some of you have been around a while, probably heard most of this. But... uh, in uh, January of 1976, I showed up in a small church here in, in Washington County, and there happened to be a young lady there, wasn't quite 18 at the time. I was uh, 24 years of old age, finished seminary, and I was looking for a place that, to serve God, help out. And so I started helping there. <clears throat> well, she, my wife, Deb's not in here, so most of you know. <clears throat> she was a senior in high school. And she had a regular boyfriend, and I was just kind of there at the church helping out, and I was kind of the youth, unofficial youth leader, so she was kind of in my youth group. Anyway, come about, probably about April that year, I had this f- sense or feeling that God, this was the person God wanted me to marry, which was kind of strange, because she had this full-time boyfriend, or junior and senior year, in high school. So I just c- kept going with doing what I was doing, and trying to figure that out it was kind of confusing. So she graduates from high school. She goes off to Louisiana where she has some relatives and spends six or seven weeks. A couple things happened while she was there. She broke up with her boyfriend long distance. I guess made it easier. And then she started flirting with all the Louisiana boys. But anyway, that's another topic. So uh, she comes back about the 1st of August. First time I see her, I invite, I, I ask her out. And amazingly, she says yes. And so long story short, and I don't recommend this. That was the 1st of August. By Thanksgiving, we were married. Now, one reason we did it so quickly was we both had a strong sense this was God's will for our lives. Now, that was the positive side. The, the, The negative side was we hadn't put in the relational work. And so, first year, we were both working. After one year, I became pastor of what's Greenbrier Baptist Church. And so now we're pastoring a church. Not long after that, Josh, our oldest son, shows up. 20 months later, uh, Mike, our second son, who was just up here singing, he shows up. And then a little while after that, we felt this call to, to be missionaries. And my wife did, didn't have enough education to qualify, so she spends the next four years going to community college, getting a associate's degree while we're pastoring this church. And then we're off to the mission field with all the adjustments, becoming missionaries and learning a language and a culture. And then not long after we get there, a year later, Andrea, our third child, is born. And 18 months later, the guitar player up here, our youngest son, Jared, was born. And then about that time, I started pastoring one church in Portugal and then two churches in Portugal. And then before you know it, we were back in the States. And when you're back in the States, you spend the first, that year, going around all the churches that support you, talking to you about the mission work. So almost a year into that, Um, my wife comes back after saying I've been driving around looking for a place for us and the kids to move us guys are a little clueless sometimes Uh, this was her way of telling me she didn't like me anymore and I didn't like her much at that time either and so decision time we decided to get into marriage counseling we got marriage counseling and put some work into our relationship and uh, been working on it ever since we've married 38 and a half years now happily married But at year 13, things weren't good. It's easier to get married than to stay married or stay happily married. Now, one of the reasons why is because we live in a very sexualized society, don't we? They use sex to sell everything. Now, we are sexual beings. It's a good thing. God created that. But outside of the parameters that we're going to talk about that God has for that, bad things happen. And I feel really bad about some things in our culture, and one of the things is the way we teach sex education. If we taught drug education like we do sex education, we would bring needles and syringes into school and teach the kids how to use them because they're going to do it anyway, right? And we want you to do it safely. But no, the drug policy is just say no, right? And the the sex education policy should be the same, but I don't have control of that. And as I've said before, when I get a phone call saying somebody needs to talk to me or talk to my wife and I, the majority of the time there's going to be some sexual component. Now I'm going to want you to think about this area this way. If you're driving and you see a "Do Not Enter" sign, maybe it's a one-way street. It says "Do Not Enter." What is your reaction to that sign? Well, mine is great. I don't want to go down that road. That would Bad things would happen. Would your reaction be, how dare they tell me I can't go down that road? I have the right to do anything I want. And if I want to go down that road, I'm going to go down that road. That's not our attitude, is it? So we're going to look at a don't. We've been looking at God's top ten list as foundation for this building strong families. And some of that list is a don't. But anytime God says don't, it's like the do not enter sign. It's for your good and my good. My safety, people around me safety. So it's a positive thing even though it's stated negatively. And so the one we're looking at today relates to marriage. And it's simply this. You must not or you may not commit adultery. That means be unfaithful to your marriage partner. Pretty simple to understand, right? Now. How does this happen? Why does this happen? We call it affairs. Adultery is kind of a bad word, right? So we call it affairs so it doesn't sound so bad. But let me give you four basic reasons why affairs happen, whether they're sexual or not. We'll talk about other kinds of affairs. Or even just issues in your relationships. Four basic causes. First cause is this, unmet needs. All relationships are bet on mutual needs. So you may have a friend, and they're your friend because they're just one of these funny people. Some people are just naturally funny. And you love to laugh, and so you love to spend time with that person. And maybe what you provide is somebody that laughs at their dumb jokes. I don't know. But anyway, you have this relationship because you have needs. Now, in marriage, there's lots of bigger needs. But when those needs aren't met, you go looking other places to get those needs met. Another cause is unfulfilled expectations one of my favorite things when I'm doing premarital counseling is to listen to the man and the woman talk about their expectations of marriage now she might expect him to mow the grass and her to wash the dishes and she he may be thinking she's going to mow the grass and I'm going to wash the dishes so we got all kinds of expectations and a lot of them are unspoken and then you're married for a while and you find out, hey, I thought they were going to do this and they're not doing that and vice versa. So unfulfilled expectations. Well, if you're not going to do this for me, I'm going to find somebody else that will do this for me. Another issue or cause of affairs or conflict, or, um, I mean in issues in marriage or relationships is unresolved conflict. I'll just take money. A lot of people argue about money. And you just argue every time, you know, constantly. I'm arguing about money. We're discussing money. We're just conflict. Anytime money comes up and then you meet somebody else, they could care less about money. And it's just, just the relief of having this relationship with somebody that isn't always complaining about money. So, unresolved conflict. And a big cause of affairs or problems in relationships are underdeveloped self-worth. Or a person being what we call codependent. That means you can't be happy without this other person providing your happiness for you, all right? That's codependent. That's not healthy. <laughs> and so when your spouse, in this case, your spouse doesn't make you happy, you've got to find somebody else to make you happy, to be dependent upon. So, the God who loves you and sent his son Jesus to die for you, you think he's going to have something to say about the area of sexuality? In fact, he invented it, right? So, some people don't read the Bible. There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible, including stuff about sexuality. So, we're going to look at something a guy by the name of Paul wrote. He went around uh, the Mediterranean area 2,000 years ago, starting churches. And one of the places he's probably started the most churches is modern-day Turkey. And one of the cities he started a church in was Corinth. Now, you think our society is sexualized? Corinth was more sexualized than our society. Hard to believe, but it was. In fact, they had what was called temple prostitution. So prostitution was actually part of worship in their culture. It's hard for us to imagine, but that's what it was. And so we're going to look at a few verses that Paul has to say to help these people that are in this very sexualized culture that are trying to follow Jesus. Kind of sounds like us, right? Right? So let's begin in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 11. Now he's going to start off by talking about these people that were, how he put it, were indulged in sexual sin. But now they're, being, they're Jesus followers, okay? He said, there was a time when some of you were just like that. But now, now they're Jesus followers. They've made a change. And three components to that. Now your sins have been washed away. I've confessed my sins to Jesus. I accepted his forgiveness. He has washed those away. So it's like they've never happened. You know, I I had this sinful past. And if you have your sinful past here this morning, uh, we're not here to make you feel guilty. Hopefully you've dealt with that and moved on. We're talking about in the future. So they're washed away. You've been set apart for God. Now your life is different. Like we set apart one day out of seven, talked about last week. Well, your, your, your life is going to be different than the people that aren't Jesus followers. All right, there's going to be a difference. This is part of the difference. And you've been made right with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God has done for you. So now that, you know, that you're quote unquote saved, the spirit of God has come in, dwells in you. Uh, Jesus paid the price for your sins. You're now forgiven. You have this connection, this relationship with God. All right. So no matter what your past was like, if you follow these steps, this is your situation now. You're forgiven, you have a relationship with God, and your life is different than the people that aren't Jesus' followers. And then he brings up a very important principle. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. See, an important principle of Christianity is freedom. We say people that don't follow Jesus are slaves, are slaves to sin those of us that are Jesus followers are set free from that slavery. And we talked about the power of sin. We can resist temptation. And, of course, the penalty of sin. Our sins are forgiven. They're washed away. All right? So we're free. So we say, I'm allowed to do anything. I'm forgiven. But, really not. And Why not? Because everything, not everything is good for me. All right? basically you can do anything you want, but not everything is good for you. Now, we can understand this in lots of areas of life. Uh, we all need to eat. Food is good for us. Eat too much, not good for you, right? Drinking is okay. Uh, drinking too much, not okay. Alright? So, not everything is good for us. Sleeping is good. Sleeping too much is not good for you. Working is good. Working too much, not good for you, right? So, that's a general principle of life. Not just this area. All of life is get basic freedom to do anything but don't do things that aren't good for you. That makes sense, right? I'm trying to talk common sense in, in this area. So even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. What happens is when we overeat, we become a slave to food, right? We overslept, we become a slave to sleeping. If we overwork, we become a slave to work. He says, don't, don't, Turn your freedom over to slavery. And that's what you do. The uh, way what, what you can tell this is if you develop a bad habit. <laughs> All right? When you, that's, you become a slave, become a bad habit. Now one way to think about this, not everything is good for you, quote unquote, your relationships. So anything, I'm free to do anything, but I'm not free to do anything that hurts my relationship, Right? Uh, that's, that's self-defeating. So if it hurts others, not just only if it hurts me. Then he gets, goes on to get specific about the area of sexuality. He says, run. What does the word run mean? Run, right? Everybody understand that word? Not walk, not stand, not, you know, dilly-dally. Run means run. Okay, this area probably more than almost any other area, because it's, it's exciting, we tend to linger, right? We all have this kind of line, artificial line. Yeah, it's okay to look for a while, but, you know, this po- then I have to stop. God makes it really simple for us. He says, <laughs> just run. <laughs> we all understand that one. Turn tail and run. Run from sexual sin. And he gives us a big reason. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Now, all sins in some respects are equal. They all separate us from God, and we need God's forgiveness for them. But they're not technically all, all the same. Some hurt other people, and this one hurts you more than any other. You personally. It could be physically, but more likely it's psychologically and mentally and, and spiritually That it hurts you. So, consequently, nobody likes to get hurt, do they? Are you going to be tempted? Is temptation a sin? No. Okay. You're going to be tempted. We're sexualized beings. You're going to be tempted in this area. Temptation is not a sin. But when you are tempted, what do you do? Run. Okay. Not too, too complicated. If there was a poisonous snake in front of you, what would you do? You would run. All right. Now, is God a killjoy? No, God created sex. Right? So he's certainly not a killjoy. But he knows where it's best and how it functions best and how it's best for you and and those you're in a relationship with. So in reality, it's for your own good. But when we don't do this, one person we hurt is God. God. Because God says, hey, this is the thing you need to do. And you're saying, okay, God, you think you know better than me, but I know better than you. And so I'm not going to run from temptation, okay? Because I know better than you. Now, those of you who are parents, if your kids say that to you, is that going to hurt you? Yeah, obviously going to hurt you. And so it hurts God. And if you're a married person, obviously it's going to hurt your spouse. All right, then he goes on. This is a really big, important principle that we don't think about too often, I don't think. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? So in reality, when we're involved in sexual immorality, we're involving God in it, right? If you're a Jesus follower. If you're not, we're glad that you're here. And we get to these principles. uh, Most of them will work for, for anyone, now here, as a Jesus follower, here's the big principle. You do not belong to yourself. We don't think about this often, do we? We think, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm my own person. Why do you not belong to yourself? Because you're bought with a high price, the highest price. The death of God's only son. Now I have a house. It, it's an expensive house. It costs a lot of money. It belongs to me. It right? doesn't belong to you. Why? Because I paid the money. You don't get to live there. God says, okay, I paid for you, for your body. I paid a really high price. It doesn't no longer belong to you. It belongs to me. So you need to do what I want you to do with what I own. So I do what I want with my house. You can't do what you want with my house. So God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So as Jesus followers, we're free but we're still obligated. Does that make sense? Let me use renting as an example. If you rent, if you rent an apartment or house or something, you get to live there. You have freedom to, you know, sometimes they'll even let you paint the walls, but you put any kind of furniture you want in there and, and within limits, do whatever you want. But there are limits. You can't destroy the place, can you? Because it doesn't belong to you. And as Jesus follows, our bodies don't belong to us. And then a couple of verses quickly, really specific. But because there is so much sexual immorality, kind of like today, right? Each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Okay? So this is God's plan in a simple way to avoid uh, sexual immorality. And he goes well, stepfather in the next verse. He says, the husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy which is her right as a married woman and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So I kind of summarize this up with kind of a corny phrase that we've all heard before. Cheaters never win. Winners never cheat. And we think about this in games and sports and stuff in general. But it's certainly true in relationships. Cheaters never win. Winners never cheat. If you're going to win at marriage, you're not going to cheat. Now, is this going to happen automatically? No. It didn't happen automatically. Now, there was no infidelity in my wife and I's relationship, even though it got bad. You need a plan. And we didn't have a plan. For 13 years, anyway, we didn't have a plan. And so, I'm going to give you or help you with a plan this morning. Uh, four or five things we can do. Number one, commit to God's standards. Commit to God's standards. What does that mean? It means you agree with God. Okay, so, you know, things that we read that Paul wrote, you agree with them. our natural tendency is to disagree, to play the devil's advocate, to rationalize these things away. No, 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 no. The smart thing, the simple thing is to say, you said it, God, I believe it. You said it, God, I know it's best. You're smarter than I am, I, I'm going to do what you say." Um, and it's gotten it really mixed up even in, in, in uh, the different denominations now. Same-sex marriage and all those other things. People can believe what they want. God, what do you say? Because you're smarter than I am. Commit to God's standard. For a married person, that means I need to let other people know that I only have eyes for my wife. All right? So... I'm telling you up front in this group. If you you need to tell your family and friends, you know, no need flirting with me. I have no interest. I have my eyes on nobody else. Those of you who are in a workplace, you need to make people know that you're completely committed to your spouse. And this has worked pretty well for me other years. I have very few people ever flirt with me. Maybe I'm not flirtable. I don't know what that word is, but um, you know, I I don't I, I I I'm not looking around, I guess is the best way to put it. So publicly make a commitment to your spouse or as we're saying here in bigger principle to God's standards. Secondly, magnify the consequences. We always think there's not going to be any consequences. I'm going to get away with this, don't we? But in no area are there more severe consequences than in this area of sexuality. In fact, from all areas we have failures or scars but there's no bigger longer lasting scars than this area of sexuality you can be forgiven but the scars remain and many of you can give testimony to that there's a story about these these twin brothers in the Old Testament back in the beginning of the Bible where Esau was the older one that means he got the big inheritance from his dad when his dad died and Jacob was the younger one so one day he comes in from hunting and he's starving he didn't kill anything I guess that day and his brothers made some food and he said hey give me some of that food and his brother said what are you willing to pay for you willing to give me your inheritance and Esau just because he was really hungry said sure so he gave away his whole his father was rich his whole inheritance for one meal sounds pretty stupid doesn't it but we will sometimes forfeit our whole futures for a few minutes of pleasure, just like Esau. Now, some of you may be going through some tough times in your relationships right now. But let me just say this to you the cost of unfaithfulness is always more than the cost to staying faithful. Did you get that? <laughs> the cost of staying faithful is always less than the cost of being unfaithful. Now, let me give you three big reasons why I'm faithful to been faithful to my wife. One, I love Jesus. And this is what he says, <laughs> his right and best. And so when we were having marriage problems, we, we decided early on the D word. Now, some of you divorced, and, and I'm not, put, you know, putting you down. That's a failure like any other failure. But uh, the D word is just not going to enter our, our conversation, all right? Just not. This one pastor used to say, I, I'll never divorce you. I may kill you, but I'm never going to divorce you, all right? So... Uh, I love Jesus. Jesus says, you know, I've made this commitment before God in a church and before a pastor that I'm going to be faithful to this person like we did yesterday, the rest of my life. So I'm going to be faithful. Obviously, I love my wife. Um, One of the big things that really shook me up back there when I'm 13th year of marriage, I couldn't imagine not being with my kids 24-7. I got four great kids. Uh, Jared would have been about... uh, Let's see, he was one and a half, he was like two and a half years old at that time. I couldn't imagine, because if people separate, then you separate it from the kids, aren't you? And the third thing was, I was smart enough to, to know that you reap what you sow, right? And when you do dumb stuff, you pay for it. There's consequences. In reality, folks, let me get a little blunt with you, adultery, sexual immorality is a selfish thing right it's all about you and what you want and anytime we become selfish we're probably going to get into trouble right yeah so the consequences thirdly work emphasis on work to meet my partner's needs now this guy wrote this this book some years ago pretty famous book called his needs her needs so you can put that graphic up there now, when you see there's going to be a list here, what list are you most interested in? Again, we're all selfish, so I'm going to say, hey, I want to know what the, these, the guy's needs are, right? Wrong. <laughs> if you're married or in a relationship, you want to not even look at, the, the, for me, the male's list. Not even important. I need to focus on her list. Now, the other thing I want to ask before I show it to you is, do you think the list is going to be pretty similar? What do you think? No. (laughs) In fact, there's not one thing alike on the whole top five. (laughs) So anyway, let's put it up. We won't spend a lot of time talking about it. But uh, this generally be, now everybody's not the same, so your order may be a a little bit different or something might not be on there and this might be on there. But, ladies, affection. If your spouse is not affectionate to you, that's a big problem. So, guys, and this means non sexual, <laughs> all right, affection. If you're one of these strong, quiet types and you don't talk to your wife, that's going to be a problem. Obviously, on the other side, uh, women, if you're not supplying sexual needs for your husband, that's a big deal, or you're not keeping yourself attractive, etc. The lists don't look much alike, do they? And sometimes we wonder why marriage is work. This is why marriage is work. So what is the solution? To commit yourself to your spouse's list. Now, your list might be a little bit different, not going to be much different. You can probably figure it out if you've been married very long. If not, ask. Just ask them. You know, there was a scientific survey, ladies, a scientific survey on when men like to have sex. And it's on days that start with two, T. Tuesdays, Thursdays, today, and tomorrow. All right? <laughs> Guys aren't too complicated, all right? S- sexual fulfillment, top of the list. Uh, the problem is when we don't get these needs met, we feel cheated. I got married. I'm in this relationship to get these needs met. How dare you not meet my needs? And if you're not going to meet my needs, I'm going to find somebody else. To meet my needs, I love this illustration. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. One guy said, "You keep your grass so green on your side that the grass on the other side looks brown." All right, how do you do that? By selling out, fully committing yourself to meeting your spouse's needs. Somebody else told me after the first service, and you have to keep cutting it too, don't you? You have to keep take it takes work to keep the grass uh, tended, and marriage. it, all relationships are work. What should be your goal? I believe your goal should be to make your spouse your best friend. And that was part of Debs and I problem. We did, didn't even know each other that long before we got married. We weren't best friends. So, put this on your outline. This is really important. It's easy to leave a spouse. Well, pretty easy. It's not easy to leave your best friend. Is your spouse your best friend? If you're not, it needs to be your best friend. My my spouse has been my best friend for for a long time. Um, Next. What do we got next? Guard your minds. Uh, This is one area we really neglect. This is really important. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you 100% sold out to your spouse one day and then commit adultery the next day? Is that how it happens? doesn't happen that way it's a process and then let me explain the process to you it starts with thoughts all right we don't guard our minds we let all kinds of thoughts in our society what are all the thoughts yeah just have sex with anybody you just have fun um, uh, you know you deserve to be happy all those kind of thoughts right And so that's the thoughts. If you're not careful from the music and TV and movies and whatever, that's the thoughts. And we just let all that stuff in thinking it's not going to affect us. But you you are affected. You cannot not be affected by anything that you let into your mind. Then the second thing is it becomes a feeling. And one of the things we have to be careful of is sharing your feelings with a person the opposite of sex that's not your spouse. I call this, this, I don't call it this, other people call it this. It's called an emotional affair. And with Jesus followers, this is what usually happens because we're usually smart enough to stay away from the, the physical part, at least at first. Uh, but, you know, this person listens to you, seems to be so understanding, and your spouse, you know, doesn't seem to. Uh, this is great. And you're trying to be a good Christian, be supportive, etc. Don't do it for somebody of the opposite sex. Same sex, fine. Opposite sex is wrong. So we got the, uh, the, the thinking, then the feeling, and then what comes next? The action. I'm so, I feel so close to this person. And the natural extension of that is to become uh, physical. Now there's one other step. I call it Rationalization. Well, God wants me to be happy, right? And besides, even if this is wrong, God will forgive me. That's true. He, do, he will forgive you. His goal is not for you to be happy necessarily, but he will forgive you. So then we rationalize uh, doing wrong. Now we got one more. Yeah. Maintain proper relationships. What does that mean? Well, that means, as I already said, don't listen to somebody of the opposite sex complain about their marriage. Don't do that. It means, ladies, don't go fishing for compliments because your spouse doesn't give them to you anymore. Uh, Or don't flirt with other people because your spouse won't flirt with you anymore. And then, of course, uh, at church, we sometimes shake hands and hug, and I'm always very conscious of this, of a prolonged touching. Make sure your touching is appropriate. Simply this, minimize the opportunities. Uh, I don't spend much time around females. I just, I just don't. That minimizes the opportunities. Nothing against you ladies, but uh, that's just, as we talked about last year, guardrails. The old adage if you don't want to get stung, what? Don't play with bees, right? Again, this is just common sense, some of this stuff. Now, let me give you a warning. Some of you have been married a long time, like I have, and maybe happily married. And your thinking is, "Oh, I didn't need this." Wrong. The Bible makes it very clear. When you think that you're not susceptible, look out, because that's when you are. And I always live by this adage. But by the grace of God, that's why I don't judge any of you. Maybe you failed in this area, because it's only by the grace of God I haven't failed in this area. Because I've been tempted like everybody else. Now, whether you failed or not in this area this is the church for you because this church is just full of a, of a lot of forgiven sinners, right? That's the that's, that's situation for all of us. And hopefully if you accepted that forgiveness, allowed yourself to be forgiven, that you got to the place of healing and I would just end with this illustration. Fire is a good thing, right? Cookout yesterday, you were cooking burgers and hot dogs over fire couldn't couldn't eat them very well if they weren't cooked we can use a fire to warm ourselves but fires can also be very dangerous aren't they there's house fires there are forest fires very destructive sexuality is just like that in the limits of god's instructions it's wonderful beautiful things happen enjoyable outside destruction Terrible things can happen. So let's be smart enough <laughs> to believe what God says is best for us. And then you need a plan. And stick to your plan. Uh, that's all for this, this week. We'll get another aspect of building strong families next week. I'll begin God's top 10 list. I hope you can join us. Let's pray. Thank you, God. I thank you for the instructions, I thank you for the warnings, I thank you for sexuality. It's a wonderful part of being human, and it brings us closer together to our spouses. Uh, But God, it also makes life pretty complicated, especially for folks that are single. God, I pray that all of us would adhere to your standards, understanding that's what's best for us, and a do not is for our good, just like that do not enter sign. And God, for anyone here that may be in the midst of this type of failure or from the past, God, I just pray that they would uh, have the wisdom and the strength to make wise decisions, uh, to commit to a plan for their relationship with their spouse, no matter how good the relationship is, to continue to make it better. Uh, we want to have winning marriages God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We pray for anyone here that maybe is not a Jesus follower and still trying to think about it. Pray that today would be the day that they see the wisdom in God's word. That uh, even about this area of sexuality that our, that our society seems so confused about. That they would accept that gift of salvation and be forgiven—not this type, just this, this type of sin, but any kind of sin—and enter into a personal relationship with the living God. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Grace, your mercy, and in Jesus' name, amen.